0: Welcome to From the Valley Podcast with your host, Tim Wilshire.
1: Yeah, welcome along everybody. It's episode 41 of From the Valley Podcast today, Monday the 15th of April 2019. Great mate of mine, thingy Chris Morihan. Welcome along to the podcast.
0: G'day Tim, mate. Good to be here.
1: Thanks, mate. Thanks for uh, coming in. And uh, so uh, what's been happening, Chris? You've, you've, what have you been up to lately, mate?
0: Oh, mate, since I... um. Retired out of Apex, I kind of keep getting busy as as you do. Uh, I think once uh, um, the type of people that that you and I are, um, we always find something. And uh, and the, and uh, the, the sort of involved. stuff
1: that you found, I mean, the Four Wheel Drive Club. Tell us a little bit about that. How you got into that?
0: Yeah, so the the Four Wheel Drive, I've always had Four Wheel Drives, so I've had them for you know twenty plus years and. So I've, um, you yeah, enjoy enjoyed my camping and, and going out and as, as we did, you know, with some of the Apex days and, and going out on trips and uh, when we, when I um, retired out of Apex and we kind of looked around and, and thought, you know, I wouldn't mind joining a club and uh, and finding, you know, going out with some other people and learning a bit more about it. So I... Um, uh, had a look around, uh, you know, jumped on the web, as you do, and found the Brisbane four-wheel drive club, which, oddly enough, actually meets pretty much next door to you here. At uh, the Eddy Castle. Yeah, at the Edinburgh Castle Hotel here in Kedron.
1: Yeah, so often, not often, but sometimes we go over there for lunch, I guess, and a couple of beers occasionally when something when something happens. But So the four-wheel drive club, uh, and uh, that's obviously a fairly big group. How many how many so we would meet there, Chris?
0: Yeah, so the club's got... Uh, it's got a funny sort of thing with members and memberships, because so, yeah. they're family members. But at any given meeting, there's probably about 50 odd people there. Yeah. Um, uh, some of our big events, we've had up to 90 people yeah. uh, in there. Wow. Uh, there's just on a, there's probably between 100 and 120 members uh, in mm. the club, uh, is what I understand mm. uh, from, from looking through the list.
1: Excellent. Uh, and the other the other thing that uh, I've seen you sort of been actively involved in the last couple of years this uh, new thing th- thing called pits and giggles and cooking barbecues and going into barbecue cooking competitions how did that come about how have you found the whole process tell me what sort of got you into this
0: so uh, the um, the idea of uh, you know cooking and cooking on barbecues and stuff is something we've always done um, usually it tends to be you know bucket loads of sausages and, but uh, when I um, went along to one of those barbecue competition uh, things at the R&A uh, and had a look around. I thought, oh, this looks pretty cool. And uh, my you know, then fairly new son-in-law uh, was telling Green me all James. about it. And, yeah, James. Uh, was uh, sort of showing me bits and pieces and taught me how to use my Weber properly. I was just about to get rid of my Weber. Um, I've now got seven. <laughs> so... Seven uh, Webbers. wow, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. yeah, that's uh, small compared to a lot of people. I know people have got anything up to fifty, so um, you know, got the whole range. And because they've yeah. been around for so long, uh, but so uh, yeah, so took the competition, and then I um, one of James's best mates, Rory. Um, yeah, big old he, Rory. He yeah. He and I sort of met up while James was over James and D were overseas, and uh, went along to um, the uh, the next year's compit um, uh, in the in the city there in the R and A. And uh, sort of had a bit of chat about it. With we all, well, we could do this. So we, we sent a message to Jabe and said, "By the way, you're now on a barbecue con- barbecue team with Rory and I. And uh, as soon as you get back, we're going to start competing. So we had our start first...
1: competing. Wow! So that must <laughs> throw in the deep end, because uh, obviously, you just you decided you guys have got, you had something you wanted to go out there and and test test your. Uh, uh, ways of doing things against the competition and what I guess what did you find early on in those competitions? How many competitions have you been in?
0: So we've now been in probably about a, a dozen, maybe a, a couple more and uh, what we found initially was we took far too much gear in um, and we, uh, we made it very difficult for ourselves so we, uh, it took us probably about four comps to start simplifying stuff and to, to start understanding the process a bit better. Um, and what we've sort of found now is that it's it really is about practice um, and consistency, uh, as it is with any, you know, any sort of good business practice or, or anything. If you can be, you know, consistent in your approach and uh, and and be, be know what you're doing and be good at what you're doing, then you'll succeed. Mm. And we're, that's what we're working on now.
1: Certainly enjoying it from what we see, all the Facebook and uh, Instagram posts that get shared uh, from the Pits and Giggles group. Uh, so it's certainly. Um, what what do you, what's your favorite uh, type of protein that you to cook and to eat
0: right well, um, uh, the hardest one to cook is the brisket that's kind of the the king of barbecue um, mostly because it's uh every brisket's a little bit different uh, and it's a generally you're cooking Piece of meat that's between six and eight kilos, so to try and get that consistently good is the most difficult one. Plus, it—I mean—you're looking at um, you know anything up between sort of eight and 13 hours of cooking, so uh, to get that timing right uh, can be very difficult. Um, But it's not necessarily my favourite one to eat. It's just the the most difficult one. It's the most uh, rewarding one to get right because of the difficulty level. to eat, I actually really like um, lamb ribs. Uh, my new found thing. I've only found them in the last few months, and uh, really enjoying them. Um, so they're uh, they're a bit quicker to cook. So they you can cook them at home without too much trouble. They're only about three hours, three or four hours to cook. Where like pork ribs, I did pork ribs last night uh, It's a mm. bit of a practice run for some dinner. Uh, and pork ribs you're looking at five or six hours. So um, to be able to get something out in three that you can, can eat is, is, a, is pretty good that's as far as competition meals my favorite thing to to eat and cook is reverse seared steak which is a kind of a slow cooked steak but it's uh, it's pretty magic and, and pretty good that's kind of my signature dish yeah
1: i mean i'm, I'm you know how much i love food I like, I like um eating food as much as anybody and especially all the different types of proteins that you can have and you, you obviously do chicken you do all the all the pulled pork the different varieties of beef and uh, it's just quite amazing to see all the different creations. So, if uh, to shout out to a plug to the Pits and Giggles, what's the um, what are the best ways to get in contact and have a look at the different? So things going probably the probably
0: easiest way is to uh, look us up on Facebook, um, where uh, at Pits and Giggles. So the the and is the the ampersand and, uh, which is well, I think that's above about the six or seven on your keyboard. So that little ampersand. Uh, so it's pits, seven, and, yeah. pits and giggles. Um, so you look look that up on Facebook and we're, we're pretty easy to find you um, there's one or two pits and giggles around the place but we're the only ones located in Brisbane so yeah
1: and you've got an Instagram page as well yeah
0: Instagram page, same thing at yeah. pits giggles there's no end in the um, in the uh, Instagram version because of the uh, yep. The way the the way their characters work.
1: So but you think you'll be doing this uh, this type of competition from years to come? Do you think?
0: Uh, yeah, we'll be doing it for a while. We've um, it's uh, until it either becomes you know too too expensive or too tiresome where we we're not enjoying it anymore.
1: Yeah, it's we're doing anything, it for fun. Yeah. We're
0: doing it. It's a it's a great way to get a few mates together and yeah, uh, and go out. And it's a it's a nice scene. The people who do it, you know, the other teams are you know, a bit of fun and easy to get on with. So we've made some really good friends through it. Um. And uh, yeah, I've got some good sponsors who work well with us, uh, who've become mates yeah. as well. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great little setup. Really yeah, I guess the only
1: final sort of thing on this is. With all the other teams in the competitions that you have and stuff like that, do you do you see a lot, lot of uh, collaboration happening, or does everyone sort of fairly secretive as to how they get things right? Do they share much of their experience to you, like a lot of other things that happen in life?
0: There are some that that do that are you know quite insular about it, but um, you know ninety percent, ninety five percent. Um, you go up and you, you talk, and they'll show you tricks and tips. And yeah, okay. Some so of them could be a little bit, yeah. a little bit secretive about, you know, specific recipes and of sauces and stuff like that. But most of them are, you know, you'll you can see what stuff they're using, and they'll chat mm. with you. And um, but there are a lot of little tips and tricks, like learning how to trim mm. trim some of the stuff and and things, which is a bit of a challenge. Mm. Um, yeah, there's some always someone around to help. Or if you need gear, there's always someone who'll lend it to you. And mm. yeah, so it's good.
1: Yeah, probably a little bit of a different order to how I usually do most of the podcasts, but I thought I'd go to those because they're nice sort of topics that we've yeah. sort of seen in recent years. Um, I mean, I obviously know quite a bit about your background, where you came from, but but just to share with the listeners, whereabouts were you, where, whereabouts did you um, brought up and what was sort of life like as a as a kid? So
0: I, I grew up here in Brisbane, uh, over in Newmarket, uh, it was where I where I grew up, uh, so only child, Um so, uh, but I was uh, adopted, which was an interesting kind of thing, yeah, but I always knew. So, that yep. doesn't worry me at all. Um, yeah, good family, uh, some really good uh, extended family, uh, which have always been good. Um, my parents split, as seems to be the go <laughs> with yep. so many uh, these days. They split up as I was a. Uh, Uh, going through year 10 Uh, Mm. so when I finished year 10 um, I went with mum and moved down to a little farm just outside of Byron Bay which was a bit of a culture shock from a private school in Brisbane to Mullumbimby High School yeah (laughs) Um, but uh, they say things happen for a reason and I actually met uh, my wife Ruth um, at the at school uh, in Mullumbimby and um uh, hooked up for our first kiss at a blue light disco in grade 11 and have basically been together ever since.
1: Definitely a very cl- um, close-knit couple, always will be. Um, but, yeah, I love Rufy. She's she's a champion. Um, and then you lived <coughs> you lived some of your early days in Warwick as well.
0: Yeah, so after um, after high school I came back to Brisbane, went to uni. Um, so I uh, did a Bachelor of Science in IT uh, at university and uh, then moved down to the Gold Coast for a year. It was my first job out of uni. Um, and then moved out to Warwick uh, and was working at TAFE for a number of years uh, in Warwick. My grandparents and aunties lived out in Warwick, so a bit of extended family out there, so that's how I ended up out there. I saw the job and had somewhere to stay um, because my grandparents owned a pub. My grandmother owned a pub in Warwick, so living in the pub's a bit of an interesting thing (laughs) as well. Not sure I knew that one. Yeah, uh, Mm. well, because Mm. we had the pub, when I was actually at uni, I used to go out and work um, in the holidays at an abattoir out there and, Lived in the pub while I was there, but yeah, so we moved out there and, and we were around Warwick for ten years. Uh, great little place, really nice place to bring kids up. Um, very friendly uh, overall, and because we, you know, because we had the a business in town, like most you know small towns, the businesses are very close. Yeah, uh, and so you you tend to be reasonably well. You know all people around town, yep. and you get yep. things like the, you know, the shop will ring one of the the menswear shop will ring you up and say, look, we've got this new stuff in. If you're interested, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, or we can keep some out for you, and they let you take it home to try it on, and <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> they know you. So yeah, it was uh, it was really nice. Uh,
1: um, just um, the other thing too, what I think the sports that I remember you spoke talking about. Um, in your sort of younger years, weightlifting and also NFL football or gridiron?
0: Yeah, when I was down the coast, uh, sort of the little period I was down the coast, I um, was looking for something to take some frustration and stuff out on because I'd sort of finished uni and uh, starting into a desk job and so looking for something to do. And one of the guys I was uh, hanging around with, I knew down there, um, was playing uh, NFL or playing gridiron. So off we went to the Gold Coast, uh, sort of the Gold Coast Sharks um Brit iron and went and put the pads on and got just you wear all those pads, but you don 't realize just how bruised you get the first night of full contact oh. it took me probably two days to get over it It was brutal, so I played two seasons down there I played the first season while I was down there, and then after I moved to Warwick, I was still driving backwards and forwards and played and played a second season, but it was too far to go yeah. so uh, so, I ended up giving that up. But then, when I moved to Warwick, one of the teachers at TAFE that I was working with um, was a, uh, a sort of a retired champion powerlifter. So, he got some funding or <laughs> some help through TAFE to, buy, to, to set up a gym at the TAFE college and uh, had some of the right equipment. So, I got into to powerlifting there and was um, a state champion for my, for my weight at the time, uh, which was fairly heavy, like 140 kilo plus. Mm. <laughs> um, but it was a. Uh, uh, yeah, it was a it was a bit of fun, very bit of mm. fitness. Um, yeah, I was extremely strong, obviously at
1: yeah. the time. Yeah. So and obviously how we met, met obviously is through um, Apex and the Sandgate Apex Club. Uh, we both used to be uh, part of that club uh, going back. And you'd, be, what was your first experience in Apex? How did you sort of first get involved?
0: Well, it was that when I was at the TAFE College and one of the. Um, one of the other, one of the women who worked in the Tove College, her husband used to come in and come to the gym as well uh, and he used to train with us and so we got chatting and got and because, you know, the people you work with you tend to be mates with so uh, I got to know David and, David and Donna Angel, it uh, was, and David was a, uh, you know, he was in the Apex Club at the time and as we were chatting with different things it was you know, he'd talk about, I oh, know we're off this weekend we're doing such and such with Apex and this is happening with Apex and after a little while and I said to him and I said, look you know, has it occurred to you to ask me along to this thing? And he sort of went, oh, no, I should, shouldn't I? So uh, he took me along um, and I duly joined. And that was in uh, 1994. Uh, I know it's because I got married <laughs> about a month and a half before, so it's easy to, to remember uh, when I joined. And, um, yeah, I just absolutely loved it. Uh, really got into it and found it was a... Um, uh, it worked exceptionally well for yeah. me. It was a nice way to give back to your community, uh, and I learnt an enormous amount
1: through it. I was going to say definitely um, myself, but obviously you, you you would have learnt so much, uh, and you developed your skills so well, Chris, um, over those years in Apex. Um, public speaking, you're you know an exceptional public speaker. Um, very good at debating, excellent, exceptional probably, um, and being able to sort of lead. Um, when did you sort of first get into, your, I guess, some leadership skills in Apex? How far down the track? Until so it was you...
0: probably, um, I found, I mean, as a, as a person, like as a mm. person growing up, because um, I was always kind of the fat kid growing up, so, yeah. you know, self-confidence not great. No. Uh, but you get. I got into Apex and um, the people there were really supportive and I felt really comfortable there, so I was able to, uh, you know... Able to just not worry about that and focus on other stuff. So there were some really cool projects and things happening, and I was keen to learn a lot more about project management so I thought well the best way to learn is to dive in and have a go and, um, and that's one of the, the great things APEX can do for you is you can learn all these kind of management skills working with volunteers and, and doing stuff in that, in that environment and you've got mentors and people who will talk you through it and help you through it as I've done with you yeah. <laughs> uh, on a number of occasions and then um, so you just learn all these things and they're, they're things that are so applicable to mm. your business life uh, and yeah, you know, that's one of the things I found.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, look, yeah, a couple of different, few different apex clubs, like both of us have been in as well. But uh, and then obviously the aspiration to sort of not only sort of lead clubs, but then lead um, you know districts and states, and and then obviously be become the national president is uh, obviously achieved quite a lot as a, as an apex in life membership as well. Um, I mean, it's, it's pretty extraordinary, um, your, your uh, career in Apex, and it's something that, you know, like a lot of in I mean, I look up to that and uh, what you've achieved and uh, certainly learnt a lot from you. And, and being your treasurer in that first time I was the treasurer for Apex Queensland is something I'll always remember. You really um, turned... A, a, we had a really great uh, board that particular year, that first year, in particular it was fairly work. I mean i think that what we you set out to achieve i think we we did achieve there's always going to be loss of members in apex we yeah. always found that um, it was it was never never easy to sort of solve that particular part of the problem but uh, what i guess what's your sort of take as to why sort of apex memberships always been an issue uh, ever since the 90s
0: i think part of the problem that uh, apex has had is that is it's got a, a strong view of itself, um, and of what it thinks, you know, what Apex thinks it is, and what clubs think think thinks, well, what clubs think it is that they do, and they're focused. I think clubs are focused a little bit too much on trying to fundraise and do service jobs, and they forget that the reason that Apex was created, and what the best part of Apex is is what we were just talking about, which is the stuff that you learn. Yes. And when Apex was first started, it was actually started by guys who couldn't join Rotary uh, because they were all architects. And, of course, Rotary only took one person from each profession. So um, there was these three young guys who were all architects, and they weren't allowed to join the Rotary Club. So they decided to form their own club, and it was the Young Businessmen's Club. Uh, of Geelong, which later then became Apex. And how they recruited early was they actually went to the people who were in the rotary club and basically said, Look, you're the young men that are in your organisations, if you why don't you get them involved in Apex to learn the skills that you've learned by being in a service club so uh, because they couldn't join the Rotary Club because their boss was in it so they already had the person in that profession so all of the Rotary Clubs um, actually then recruited people uh, helped recruit people into Apex Clubs so Apex Club was kind of this it really was originally a junior rotary and then later on it sort of moved more towards junior lions uh, as it went on. And it was that during that phase, particularly in the 80s when they, they had this massive population growth where it was about, more about bums on seats than about what they were doing. And with Apex, with Apex, mm. yeah, there was they were just trying to, you know, it was all about getting the numbers in. Um, and the whole demographic changed with it, and it became this thing that was completely focused on trying to raise big money for service events and big money to put into, you know, a million dollars to uh for mm. um hospital in Sydney and a million dollars for cancer mm. research and these kinds of things. And once they uh, at that point they started to lose their focus of what apex was originally about which is you use yes you'd absolutely do the fundraising you do great service work and things but you use that as a means by uh, it's a means rather than the end yeah so the end is actually to train these young people and you get them in and you teach them and then you, you know and then they go on and are better in business and they will often join rotary clubs and do other things but they'll become you know some of the strongest citizens in in a um uh, in a um, town, uh, and you know, become very well known, and uh, and does a great job for them. But when they started to just become fundraisers, they they lost that, uh, and they basically lost the plot a lot from that point. Uh, and kind of as much as we've tried to, you know, those of us in the leader position, leadership positions, have tried to re, you know, re steer the ship. Um, there's just too much embedded. Uh, you know, idealism in this idea that you've got to do service, you've got to raise funds, you have to do this. Uh, and they kind of lost that training aspect a bit.
1: Mm. I mean, I think that one of the most important parts of Apex is the social aspect of Apex. Um, mm. uh, the friends that you make is obviously a big one, but, uh, but um, uh, yeah, so that to me is one of the big things that you get. Obviously the friendship. Everyone in Apex should really be a friend. Um and I, and I think um, that's that's certainly um, you know one of the main things I got out of Apex, but obviously developing the skills as we said. But uh, what do you think about some of the best sort of um, what are what are some of the best things like the best convention you ever went to, for example?
0: Oh, well, oh, that's you were talking about the friends, and there's a sort of a saying in you know in a different yes. areas, but long you know, well used in Apex that there's no strangers, it's just friends you haven't met yet. Um, in the apex world uh, and I found that certainly in my travelling around and, and that was one of the reasons I kept sort of going up the levels and doing stuff is one, I thought I could make a difference uh, and, two, it was just the people I met. Uh, so I went to a lot of conventions over time because I went to state conventions in every state. Uh, so I've been to you know, I've been to all of them um, uh, as well as quite a few national conventions uh, weirdly, the two most memorable conventions uh, I've got, um, one would be the national convention um, that you were at, the Ginger Ninjas.
1: That and was at Ballarat.
0: Yeah, the Ballarat National Convention in what, that was 2007? 2007. Yeah, 2007. Or was it um, And that was, as a national convention, yeah. that was my favourite one and it was because of that camaraderie of that group and how tight our state board was, you know, and we all, you know, we wanted to stand out as Queenslanders and I'd worked... I you did that. I'd worked yeah. exceptionally hard to get that team or to get that group of quite disparate individuals mm. into a really cohesive team. And they disagreed on things, but they could disagree and argue but still be a united front. Yep. um, And, you know, the, the stupid thing where we, you know, all bleached our hair very badly I might add which seems like a completely ridiculous thing to do but the day we were in there doing that uh, where we all bleached our hair we're sitting there getting our hair done (laughs) by each other so, all these blokes in there, bleaching our own hair with no idea what we're doing, we're just working off the instructions. But at the same time, we were going through all of the motions and budgets and stuff. So we were discussing all this business while we're all sitting there with this bleach in our hair. It was just it was the single my most memorable day that I've got um, in Apex, so it well, was definitely speak. a highlight.
1: I think one of the other highlights obviously when you uh, when the club surprised you you um, you only just turned forty two uh, and you got your life membership and you be also became the national president on the same day. Yeah, that was
0: a big night. Uh, so that was a, a very big night it was was because I was um, being uh, uh, going through the process of or the you know the ceremony for becoming national president um, and you know before we even got to that. Uh, the the club awarded me uh, a life membership and, you know, gave me the great honour uh, of becoming a life member of the club and a f- the first life member uh, of our club. So it was a... So that's um, the uh, Brisbane City Apex the, yeah, Club, which is uh,
1: still, still uh, trooping on at the moment. That's what, uh, obviously, the Apex Club that we've sort of kept going now and uh, we've got about 10, yeah. 10 members still at the moment, so... Uh, but that that was actually founded by yourself, uh, I think maybe Sam Russell, Sam... Yeah, yeah. Samantha,
0: yeah, Sam Russell and Brett Doig and I were basically yeah. The, yeah. the three people who put it together. We were all members of the Sandgate Club um, and the Sandgate Club was going through a few hassles. Yeah. Uh, and plus all of us were kind of living more towards the south side. Um, yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, I was working at St Lucia and, and we just decided we'd have something a bit closer into the city. So we... Um, yeah, started up the decided to start up a new club. Sangate had, uh, I think it had about 30 members at one the time. stage, it
1: was yeah, 25 when I joined, and uh, yeah, so it,
0: it was cracking 40 there at one point. Oh, but, really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. so the um, yeah, so there was a, a, there was enough you know, numbers to do it that a few of us could go, um, and when, yeah, so we started up the new club and it um. And it's still kicking along, so, so that's good. And it was like we started it in 2002, so it's been you know, going on for more than 15 years now, so I'm pretty proud about that.
1: I think we're up to about 333 um, meetings or something, so yeah. we're sort of getting there uh, with that, um, you know, all of that. Yeah, it's quite amazing. But uh, what is, I guess, some of the favourite – what What do you think the most memorable service event, I guess, that you participated in in APEX?
0: Service events are hard because they can be memorable for different things. So, uh, like, when I was back in the Warwick uh, days and we used to run a barbecue stall at the Warwick Radio, which was, uh, at the time, the biggest radio in the country. So we would do... We were doing steak, burgers, sausages and chips. And with steak, burgers, sausages and chips, we took over $17,000. That's (laughs) a very good effort. Yeah, in... Two and a half days, so that's a lot of steak, burger, sausages, and chips. You know, at, you know, three dollars a burger and dollar fifty a sausage. That's a, a lot going on. Uh, so, from a you know organizational perspective, I actually that was probably where I learnt that project management stuff I was talking about earlier was doing the barbecues there because they were pretty yeah. big. So from that kind of perspective, that was probably the the best one from a sheer enjoyment and. For what it achieved, um, I did the posty bike ride in South Australia. Yeah,
1: that's that's looked like a really good project.
0: Yeah, it's... it's, um, Not only is it a fun thing to be a part of, uh, it's Apex actually getting in and decided they wanted to fundraise for something themselves. So they've created or have built a number of... um, uh, uh, holiday homes um, in oh, in near Kadena, I can't remember the actual town that they're in, they're in the coastal town near Kadena and they, um, they've built three of the four that they wanted to achieve. Uh, and all raised, you know, all done with funds raised from these posty bike rides. So the posty bike ride is basically it's about five days, uh, and you ride posty bikes for about nine hundred kilometres, um, pretty much all off road, including a big chunk that's usually sandy desert
1: wow, kind of area. That sounds like that sounds really fun.
0: So it was amazing, and for, and to but, see these, but,
1: uh, and a sense of achievement as well.
0: Yeah, to 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 see these things eventuate, uh, and mm. you know they're coordinated by the local club but they've uh, entrusted the the actual asset to the apex foundation yep. um, to make sure that there's continuity mm-hmm. there so that there's continuity of the the asset but the local clubs still do the fundraising and still yep. you know work in it so it's um uh, it's it was very very well thought out and a, and a really good project so that's probably the best project that I've actually in my time in apex that I've uh, seen run by anyone, and it's still running. So I think it's a you know sensational project.
1: Excellent. Probably haven't got too much time. We'll to have to do part two at some stage, Chris. because yeah. I, know, I know there's lots of things we can certainly certainly talk about uh, all the different things that we sort of been going through here. But uh, um, I guess t- probably the final thing we could probably talk about uh, uh, tonight is I guess who, who are some of the people that you looked up to as a you know the inspirations in your life, the men people that, uh, you know, mentors? So during, a,
0: a, I mean, most of them have come from my apex career uh, and working in there um, because they're, uh, while it's one thing to sort of uh, look at people who are, you know, semi-celebrity whether they, you know, however that sits, you know, the, the Elon Musk's <laughs> these wells, that, that type of thing, uh, although I'm a bit old for, <laughs> for him to have been uh, in my formative time, Um uh, in the Apex world, it was people like um, Andrew Phillips, who was the GM uh, of Apex at the time, and um, uh, his had, he had one of the one of the best public speakers I've seen in, in Apex, and delivered a sensational speech and very um, very motivational, uh, and just for watching someone just get in and work and just keep working would probably be um, uh, No, I can't really remember his name on the. On the camp board Mark Mark uh, Ex-Copper
1: uh, Mark Ballin
0: Mark Ballin God, don't you hate him. It's, it's this turning 50 thing when Brian's going to no, Mark <laughs> Ballin <laughs> Of all the people I couldn't, yeah, I I like couldn't remember Ballin. his name um, Mark Ballin I've known for a long time He's... Yeah, so Mark Ballin's a, a life member of the association And has been a member of a number of clubs And has been retired for some 20 years But still Puts in just massive amounts of effort into helping local clubs around his area, as well mm. as still being, you know, doing some stuff with foundation and doing stuff mm. with the camp, and yeah. Mm. So, and he was, um, he was always a really good sounding board uh, because um, one of the things about Mark is there is no bullshit with Mark. Yeah. <laughs> he says what he thinks and he thinks what he says, and he'll stand by it. So, yeah. um, as, as someone to bounce things off and to talk talk with about things, <coughs> uh, yeah, it was he's hard to beat.
1: Mm. I think we have to wrap that up uh, unfortunately but uh, thank you very much for your time I really appreciate it Chris I know we'll come and talk a bit more and uh, I'll sort of uh, have a few more things we can talk about I'm sure thank you again have a great Easter mate and uh, look forward to catching up soon sounds good mate thanks a lot for having me along no worries thanks cheers mate